This is USA Takedown. The best guess. All the hot news and predictions on combat sports of wrestling and MMA. With your host, the true American, Scott Casper. Connect with him now on social media and check out usatakedown.com. Now, it's time for USA Takedown. Hello again, everybody. It is uh, USA Takedown Live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios here in Des Moines, Iowa. And I tell you what, beautiful fall day happening out there. It is the 15th of October. Um, and we celebrate in many ways. We celebrate the fall and the arrival of wrestling back to uh, many uh, many gyms uh, and, and centers wherever they put wrestling on, wrestling events on. And the news is out there that the uh, bout at the ballpark will take place February 12th at Globe Life Field in uh, in Texas, okay? This will feature the USA versus Team Iran, that's an international event, and OSU, that's Oklahoma State, versus the University of Iowa, the current number one team and the defending national champions. And I think it's historic in that we, we're watching America reopen, okay? Reopen in many ways. And we experienced that firsthand this last Wednesday night. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Scheduled guests on the uh, Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline today include Mark Manning, head coach of Nebraska, Jaden Cox, a current and reigning bronze medalist from the World Championships, Joel Greenlee, the head coach of the Ohio Bobcats, Kerry McCoy, a legendary wrestler in his own right, national and international, and he'll be joining us as the brand-new executive director and head coach for the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club. We'll talk with Diego Zuniga. Pardon me. Uh, he's been on the show before. He'll be competing again at Wild Rose Casino and Resort in Jefferson on fight night out there. And it turns out he's a tremendous boxer. He, he really had an opportunity to shine in July, and we're going to give him that opportunity one more time. He's earned that right. All right, so I made mention of the fact that we're reopening, right? So Wednesday night, I was super excited and was for several weeks in, in advance of the uh, actual event. And that was the reopening of the Des Moines Center for Performing Arts. And I'm talking about uh, facilities like the Civic Center. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of the Civic Center and all that it does for the community. But what it does, it, it reawakens the senses, okay? The senses of you wanting to be entertained in any way, shape, or form. But, man, does Jeff Chelsvig and his staff know how to throw a party? He joins us now. Does the boss of the Civic Center. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? I'm great, Scott. Thank you so much. <laughs> you had the singular honor of being the first on the stage before the curtain went up on Wednesday night for a very unique show, one that is an award-winning show. And it took me about mm, probably 15 minutes to start to get the drift. Tell us about the show that uh, Susan and I and, and uh, Olson's and many that sit in my row on a regular, uh, you know, any time a show opens, we're there on opening night. So tell us about the show. And, uh, and what was the response from everybody else? Because I absolutely loved it. Well, thank you, Scott. I'm really glad to hear it. Uh, the show is called The Band's Visit. This is a Broadway musical, and it won 10 Tony Awards in 2018, including the Tony Award for Best Musical. And it is a story about a ceremonial band from Egypt that has been in invited to play at the opening of a new performing arts center in Israel. And um, when the, when they, they are not met at the airport, like they <laughs> thought they would be, uh, then they decide to take a bus 
to where they think this uh, is, and uh, let's just say they they get lost on the way, and so end up in a town that uh, the name sounds very similar to the town that they are supposed to go to, and um, this town that they go to has no hotels, has no bus service until the next day. Right. So the very tiny village takes this uh, group of uh, of Egyptian musicians into their homes. Uh, in a way, if it, it the storyline is kind of similar to a show that we had last year, well, almost two years ago now, Come From Away, which takes place on 9-11 in Canada. Mm-hmm. But um, kind of a similar story, Scott, in that it's really people opening up their hearts and opening up their homes and, um, you know, having two different cultures kind of mixing together. And it's just a lovely story. And the music to me is really terrific. Uh, it's, it's got that kind of klezmer sound and the musicians are just first rate. They are, they are, they are really, really terrific and fun to listen to. And, the audience response, Scott, has been tremendous. I've gotten lots of notes from people who are just thrilled with the show, but mostly what you mentioned, the fact that they are back at the Civic Center is something that really feels great. There's a lot of things here that, that I look at. I go 19 months in COVID-19 since withdrawal, right? Um, yes. So there's a lot of coincidences here. 19 months, COVID-19, get that. Uh, you yeah. got a you got a band. It's by the way, when I first saw the email from my wife, we're going to go see the band, and I'm thinking, I don't think those guys are still together. <laughs> so I thought that's who it was. I'm thinking, no way, no way can it be the band. But this right. is the band's visit, and it it uh, made me think about nine eleven. Made me think about my parents being stranded in France. Okay, mm-hmm. and and the community of France just absolutely that I'm, I can't remember the town, but wrapped their arms around my parents, gave them uh-huh. a, a, a carte blanche use of the telephones, uh, you know, d- didn't charge them for a lot of food. I mean, it's, it's just kindness when people are yep. in desperate need of seeing it and feeling it. That's yep. what I got from this play. That's what I got from this musical. And then make no mistake about it, it is a wonderful musical because you're employing the art of the singers, uh, amongst them the great actors, but the singers really help tell and sell the storyline. Would you say that's true? Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, uh, one of the wonderful things about this uh, production is the cast and um, Janet DeCall, who plays Dina, is someone whom mm-hmm. I've watched for a long time. She was in a show that we were involved with a number of years ago called uh, Wonderland. And um, she's terrific. And uh, Sasan Gabay, who plays the leader of the band, ironically was um, the lead in the actual film that this show is based on. So really? it's, a, it's, a, um, it's an Israeli film, and he is the lead in that. Uh, he did not create this role on Broadway. That was created by Tony Shalhoub, but he did go in for Tony Shalhoub in the band's visit once um, the, uh, Tony left the show and is doing the tour. And it's just so amazing because uh, you, you should try to watch the film, Scott, afterwards. Absolutely. It is called The Band's Visit. It is uh, 
almost entirely in English, even though it is an Israeli film, and it is fantastic, and he is great in that. And it's just, it's just such a uh, an honor to have him here, and he's such a uh, kind my, man. After I make my little curtain speech every night, I walk past him, and he uh, is always very proper and <laughs> good evening, sir. And um, <laughs> and uh, he, of course, I I uh, love his his character. He is, um, and he's got clearly is is very musical in his own way, and I. I absolutely love his little tiny, he has this little tiny um, box that carries his baton. Yes, that's and what it is. And, it, and it's just so, it's just so funny. And um, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to love about this show. And, um, you, you know, you also, uh, because the the Broadway production uh, closed in 2019, uh, we have, most of the elements of the of the set are from the Broadway production, and most Wasn't of the really. props are from the uh, from the Broadway production. So we're seeing the real McCoy as we always do, and um, yeah, it's just it's it's great to see such talented people on stage. I love the instruments; uh, they were played well. I remember the first time I rented the Civic Center years ago, and it was prior to my Red Skelton show uh, at mm-hmm. at Vets Auditorium. And I rented the Civic Center because I wanted to have a show, and Red insisted this. He said, you got to have a show under your belt before I'll sign this contract. So, so I, I was telling this story to my, my father's friend who was a rep for Jack Daniels. And uh, he said, Scott, we have a band. I said, Jack Daniels has a band. Sure they do. <laughs> and they did. It was called the Jack Daniels Original Silver Cornet Band. Right. And many of the instruments that they employ and bring along as, as instrumentalists and artists uh, were the same instruments that uh, uh, the Jack Daniels Distillery bought for this group, and they've mm-hmm. been handed down over time. So I oh, go wow. back, you know, that what a, what a touch a touchstone for me. There's a touchstone for you too, in that you um, are well respected, highly regarded uh, in the community here, but also from London's Savoy Theater uh, to New York and many of the theaters there. Where is your favorite place to travel to witness theater and to witness life as it uh, unfolds and shares itself? Well, that's a great question. Uh, I, you know, in, in pre-pandemic times, Scott, I was, I would go to New York once a month uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, meetings uh, with the Broadway League, which is the Trade Association for Broadway, uh, meeting with producers and booking agents and all, and then seeing shows as a voter for the Tony Awards, um, which each year there's about 40 shows that open typically, and you have to kind of, you can't, you can't just get a, a DVD and watch them at home. You have to go and see them in person. Right. So um, I I would go to New York frequently, but I, I have to tell you my favorite place really is London. I love um, I love the theaters there. I love the tradition. I love um, that it is um, very different from mm-hmm. from New York. Uh, although at the same time, there is a lot. We have a lot of um, things that kind of you know work their way both ways from uh, you know from London to New York and vice versa. And but I I, I have a special spot in my heart for London. I've, I've now gone there enough that I feel very comfortable there. Do you have a summer but, home uh, in London? No, I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a I, long, uh, it's a long way from Eagle Grove, Iowa to having a summer home, you know, in the hills outside of, of Devonshire. 
<laughs> that would be, yeah, that would be really amazing. But, uh, you're right. And uh, by the way, folks, if you, if you wonder why we're talking about this, because this is the overall experience as we reopen uh, many things that have been closed. So many people have given so much, lost so much. It's now time for us to get out and support the performing arts, whether it's a wrestling event, whether it's a concert, whether it's uh, a, the symphony, for example. That was the first ticketed event at the Civic Center. Is that, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. Okay. The Wayne Symphony's um, opening concerts for their Masterworks series um, in late September were, was the first ticketed event. Mm. And that had to have been very special for you because for 19 months yeah. you've been put on yeah. pause. 19 months. Yeah, I mean... It really was, Scott. It, it, I, I just have to say that, you know, a theater is a wonderful place, but when you come to visit, it is animated. It has a show in there. There's something on stage. So when you come into the Civic Center the past 19 months where there was nothing on the stage, mm-hmm. um, it's sad. It's, uh, it's, it's disheartening. It's, it's, yeah, it's disheartening. And um, it's, it's because the what makes a theater a theater is really the people and the sets and the costumes and all of the stuff. And it's just this week has been such a uh, happy time for me because just even coming in in the morning and uh, they're doing work calls uh, for the show because we're only the second city in this relaunch of the tour. So uh, it's, you know, they're still getting the the, the set and everything to the point where they want it to work and it's, it's all working beautifully, but there's just little tweaks that they're trying to make. And so they're spending uh, the days, uh, the the crew working on, on sets and costumes and lights and sound and all of that stuff. So that when you come to the civic center, you'll see the best possible performance. After you went to Gustavus Adolphus, uh, you did that for two years. You transferred to Iowa state to major in theater business. Did that give you an opportunity to see uh, touring shows uh, both at Iowa State here in Des Moines, maybe the uh, EC Maybe Theater in Iowa City, or maybe uh, the, the, I'm trying to remember my wonderful theater up in Minneapolis. Yeah. Uh, oh, the Guthrie. The Guthrie, yeah. the old Guthrie. I'm, I, I remember yeah. the old Guthrie. Yeah. What a, I saw um, uh, uh, there's a woman pushing on a rock. What, what that movie or play is that? Uh, anyway, oh so a, a lot of different, I know, right? It could be anything, but the yeah. idea is that it's up to us to live our lives to the best of our ability. It's up to us to enjoy all that is being offered. And right now, Des Moines is going through a renaissance of things that people can do and ways that they can be involved. And Jeff, I want to invite folks out there. You have some 5,700, if, if my memory is correct, of patrons of the arts and then there are those that have been sustaining for 19 months the operations yep. of the yep. of the uh, performing arts centers. Talk to us about that because it's so important to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, we we have uh, about over 5,000 donors that made a contribution to Des Moines Performing Arts during the past 19 months, and. We are a not-for-profit organization, and Broadway um, kind of pays it o- its own way. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were able to generate enough revenue to cover the cost of um, of those performances. But everything else that we do, virtually everything else we do, requires some level of subsidy. Um, we do a dance series. We do a huge... Um, a series where we bring over 50,000 students a year to the Civic Center to see 
touring, uh, national and international touring productions for children that are curriculum based. They are um, a field trip experience and we charge $1 for each student and it costs us about $8 per student to put those on. So everything <laughs> else that we do requires some level of subsidy and it is through the generosity of our donors who see the value of the arts and in education and for having series like our incredible dance series, which is as close as we get to athletics. Um, the dancers that perform on our stage are true athletes. And if you ever see uh, a dance production, you will just be in awe of the skill that it goes through to be a dancer um, because they are working every single day, just like wrestlers or football players or anything. They are working sure. on conditioning every single day. So, um, we, we do, we are very grateful to all of our, uh, our, our donors, but also we have, uh, over 12,000 season ticket holders to our Willis Broadway series, which wow. we are really grateful for because that is what allows us to bring these first class shows in their, you know, very first year of their tours here. I, I don't want you to skip past this, Jeff. I don't want to interrupt either, but um, it, I think it's important to recognize the commitment that the Willis family and Willis Automotive Group has uh, made to the Broadway series, to the community, and to uh, the Civic Center and properties. I mean, they really have come on full board. Totally. You know, that I'm so glad you brought that up. You know, the when uh, it was about... 18 years or 17 years ago when we were thinking about um, approaching a sponsor for our Broadway series. And um, many of the communities that have sponsors for big touring Broadway shows, it, it's banks that will do that. And I spoke to a number of bankers uh, in Des Moines and there wasn't real interest on their part. And, one day, Rich called. Rich Willis called me about something, and um, I said, "You know, I've got an idea. I'd like to pitch to you." And so we made one pitch to one person. That was Rich Willis. And a few weeks later, he called me and said, "We want to be your partner." And that nice. was 17 years ago. And they have stayed on even through the pandemic as our title sponsor. They are wonderful partners. Yes. We love working with. Rich and Jason and Matt, his his sons, and all of the people at Willis Automotive, they are Jimmy, first Oostgard. class and just great people. Mm. And and that would ex explain why I bought so darn many cars there, okay? <laughs> and, and the fact hey. that Oscard treats me really well. Well, I, I, listen, I, <laughs> I, have leased, I have leased cars for Willis since I moved here 26 years ago, and I would go nowhere else. So, I must, absolutely true. I, I must own this uh, behavior, my my roommate came into uh, the theater room and the uh, last night I had it on YouTube and I was uh, scanning through and trying to find Carmen Burana. And that is perhaps one of my favorite pieces. Joe Junta, Maestro Junta, has been on the show yep. before, uh, was kind enough one year to extend his two tickets, which are normally two seats behind our regular seats for theater, but for the uh -huh. symphony. And, uh, I could not help but cry. It was so emotional yeah. and it, and I yeah. felt that I felt it again last night, so many versions of it, but it boils down to one solid theme and uh, the performances from across the world have been phenomenal, but that is a featured piece and a featured, uh, uh, opera, I think, um, 
uh, of symph- of the symphony. I think it's meat and potatoes, right? Pardon me? Is it meat and potatoes? Would, would you say people want to hear or witness or experience Carmen Burana? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Carmina Burana is one of the great oratorios, and it's um, I've, I've performed it as a singer. Really? Uh, once, yeah, and um, it's it's just really uh, tremendous, and it will be, you know, it is coming. Um, the, the symphony is going to be performing it in January. They were supposed, to, they were actually on the stage uh, rehearsing um, Carmina Burana when we had to shut down in March oh my. of of uh, 2020. So they that was uh, supposed to be that weekend, and we pulled the plug on March 13th and. Um, closed down the uh, Civic Center, moved the symphony out. Um, but that will be coming back, and it is in January, January 8th and 9th. And um, so I can't wait. put it on your calendar. Yeah, and you've got, <laughs> um, you've got so many great shows, the longest running of which is Hamilton. That'll be, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Three-week uh, commitment. That is tremendous for the community, tremendous for the uh, talent. Those traveling folks love to go into communities and really get involved, experience communities they're in. I know you have a long-term relationship with the Hotel Savory, or as Red Skelton once said, the Hotel Slavery. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's back when right. Yonkers was still open. But his experience in Des Moines, uh, nonetheless, is uh, uh, one for the memory book. He loved Des Moines and loved performing here over the many years. But anyway, listen, I'm going to let you go. I know you've got things you need to get done today, too, Jeff. But thank you for your hospitality. On behalf of all of us, tell your staff, extend it to your staff, that they do a tremendous job at the Civic Center and various properties, uh, uh, Temple, and et cetera. I mean, I'm just so in love with what we are doing here in Des Moines. We never want to lose you. Well, thank you so much, Scott, and I appreciate your support of our facility and of, of our series. I, I know you're a big fan of mm-hmm. Broadway musicals, which Huge. is great, and uh, it means a lot to us to have you uh, support us. So thank you for having me on today. I really enjoyed it. God bless you. And you notice we didn't mention Bart once. I know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you know, I come from a wrestling family. Yes, you and, do. Uh, yes, I do. But so. you know what? The two can coincide in a very healthy relationship as That's well. Right. Thank you so much, Jeff. Best to you and your staff. Thanks, Scott. All right. God bless you. You too. Take there care. We go. Thanks, Jeff Chelsvig, he's the man, the president and CEO of Des Moines Performing Arts. Last year, celebrated uh, celebrated his 25th anniversary at the Civic Center. So think about this. 26 years, and we've been lucky to have him. He decides which shows to invest in, which uh, to put his uh, weight behind, and that's how we get such great shows. Well, get out there and support what's going on with wrestling, with fighting. And fighting, we got a fight coming up, by the way, July 30th. I'll be uh, there assisting, announcing, but then I'll be working an entire fight uh, in November at the Valor Ballroom uh, with the tuxedo. What? Yeah, so we're going to tell you more about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to USA Takedown only on Iowa Sports Leader. This is ESPN. You know you like it. Have no fear. The true American will be right back with more USA Takedown. All right, welcome back. It's Scott Casper, Kira Jones in the studio in our Des Moines studios of 1350 ESPN or 102.1. 
FM, and that's the simulcast signal. You can also go back and listen to uh, previous shows uh, at uh, usatakedown.com. usatakedown.com, no charge, courtesy of our great sponsors. All right, we talked with Jeff Chelsvig. We're going to switch it up a little bit, a different type of entertainment. It's boxing, kickboxing, a super event uh, that's uh, going to be taking place on the 30th, weigh-ins the night before the 29th. I'll host that. But we will be at Wild Rose Casino in Jefferson. Last time, sold-out show. Uh, Johnny Case, main event. But one of the guys that really impressed me, not only in his uh, ability to respond in interview fashion like he has, uh, is rejoining the program today. He'll be joining that fight card again that uh, uh, October 30th. It's Diego Zinnig. Uh, Diego, good morning. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you doing? I'm I'm pretty good. How's your? How are the hands? Uh, they are well, <laughs> very well right now. What, what do you do to toughen up your hands as a boxer? Um, I sometimes I uh, just like I'll lightly punch wood or concrete, things like that. Not not, not not to the point where I hurt my hand, <laughs> but just to be used to the force. Curious, you know, is, is that how just, you? Is that you just a, lightly punch wood or you concrete, know, yeah. concrete, concrete block. <laughs> Yeah. People, it, my friends always ask, why are you always punching stuff? But. <laughs> yeah. Hey, at least it's inanimate objects, right? You save the best for the uh, the contestants you will be competing against. By the way, that fight, you're going to be for, uh, facing Marcus Parkinson of Wisconsin. Um, yes. Tell us a bit about uh, the guy that Monty Cox and uh, or his organization have put in front of you, because this guy is a, a veteran. Yeah, well... My first fight was pretty tough, and I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I learned what I what I needed to learn. Um, I made the proper adjustments, and uh, he may be a veteran, but I, I feel I'm ready. You know, Monty said that you really did shine in your pro debut at Wild Rose back in July. What were your main takeaways from that uh, that evening of boxing and kickboxing? Um, my main my main takeaway would be possibly my my ring entrance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like that the most, um, and just just feeling the, the the impact of the different size of the gloves, um, no headgear, things like that. Uh, you you really learn how to really place your punch, a professional punch. So right, that's one of the main things I took away from that. And is it full extension? Is it the shoulder? Is it full extension of the arm? I mean, I got I, I got to believe every jab, every uh, uh, you know hand thrown has got to be or gloved hand thrown has got to be very important in the build uh, or teardown of your opponent anyway, the build-up of the fight, teardown of your opponent. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. And um, one of the main things I've been working on, like, yeah, it's a full extension, your shoulder. Um, but one thing that I wasn't doing so well that I'm, I am doing now is uh, putting more weight into my punches, turning more, twisting more, mm-hmm. um, instead of just arm punching. Uh, so I'm looking to put on a spectacular performance and uh, give the fans something to remember. You're on a fight card that will feature as a co-main event, if you will, Ryan or Dirty Ryan Antle. Okay, first of all, I don't like any fighter with the name Dirty in it. But don't <laughs> right. tell him that because he's a tough son of. He's a veteran, 18-year professional career, but he's going to be wow. facing somebody that I worked with before over the years. As a matter of fact, my very first boxing event I announced as an announcer was in uh, Osceola at the uh, the Lakeside Casino down there. Okay, and it featured Jeremy Horn. Jeremy Horn is perhaps one of the most experienced fighters in the history of mixed martial arts. What are your thoughts about being on the same card with somebody with uh, such an MMA pedigree as Jeremy Horn has? Well, well, it feels amazing to know that um, 
you know, it's, it's an honor to be on the undercard of, of his. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he's bringing in lots of people to, to see him, and, and I want to capitalize on that. Now, this is going to be a pay-per-view as well. So people that can't come to the, uh, you know, we, we still have to recognize, you know, our obligation to each other with social distancing, et cetera. And we were able to right. do that last time. We'll do it again. But uh, they're taking it uh, one step further is, is Extreme Maximus Boxing and Wild Rose Casino, which gives you the ability to be on a card that people are going to be witnessing around the country. That's got to be pretty exciting in your career. It is. It's, uh, it fuels me. It fuels me. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm ready to, to uh, give the fans something that they won't forget. No. You know, and, uh, a lot of the, I, I did that, I believe, the first time. Um, like after after the fight, um, I was you know taking lots of photos, lots of autographs. It was, it was a fun fun moment for me. Um, but this, you know, it went the four four rounds. This time, I want to give them something different. <laughs> I'd like a first round knockout if you got that in. You just go ahead and put that out there. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I remember that right? Horn was a legendary member of the Militich Gym, Pat Militich in uh, Bettendorf, Quad Cities area. And, uh, and you, what is the gym that you most likely affiliate with? And I understand everybody goes to different gyms for different reasons, but there has to be an affiliation for you. Yes, the gym that I'm at right now is called Elimination Boxing and Fitness. You're on East 14th in Des, Mo- in Des Moines, Iowa. Okay. Um, but I'm at three different gyms in the morning at 4.30 to 5.30. I'm at Anytime Fitness, which is a regular gym. Um, and I'm at work from 6 to two, to 2.30. And then... Um, Four four thirty to five thirty PM I'm at Strength and Conditioning with VIP Boxing Savage. That's the the name of his club. And um and then at from six to eight thirty I'm at Elimination Boxing and Fitness. So you're really mixing it up and the types of things you do during each day do matter. Okay. There's a formula yes. to a, uh the building of a successful fighter and ability exactly. to last out four, five, fifteen rounds. I mean, mm-hmm. if you think about some of the fights in the past, I think the longest uh, fight lasted 162 rounds, if memory serves. I may be off on that. But 162 rounds of then very, very little glove. A lot mm-hmm. of it was considered bare knuckle. But uh, fighting has been, you know, they call it the sweet science for a reason. And exactly. then, and I think the sweet science is not necessarily employed as much in the ring as it is in the development of each fighter. Would you agree with that? I agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. And by the way, Jeremy Horn's record, his MMA record, get this now, 92, 22, wow. and 5. 92, 22, and 5. That is, um, I mean, you think how many times wow. Randy Couture fought and won the championship five times, you know, exactly. for the UFC championship. And, and then boxers, you know, who, in terms of boxing in, in particular, who have you looked up to? Whose career did you admire the most? Um, when I first, my very, very first fighter that I really liked a lot was Yoyorkis Gamboa, um, mm-hmm. he's a Cuban gold medalist. Um, and then I really liked Floyd Mayweather. And then I started falling back into the past fighters. I liked, um, Sugar Ray Robinson, oh boy. um, Ricardo Lopez. There's... And right now I really like Terrence Crawford. Really? Why? Um, just his, his, his unique style to adapt, um, in either stance power in both hands and uh he's he's about my height and pretty much like the same body build so i really uh i like to study what he does mm-hmm. and you know he's undisputed champion of the world right now so <laughs> you know you see so many 
being paid big bucks. Some are able to maintain, hold on to, invest that money and help their communities. Uh, if I say the Philippines, what name comes to mind? Manny Pacquiao. Yeah, Manny. Now, I'm not sure if this is true, but I understand that he may be making another in-ring appearance. What are your thoughts and what is your knowledge of this? Um, I have not um, heard of that. Um, I, what I have heard is that he is really focused on his presidency campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen recently he has a son named Emmanuel Pacquiao, um, and he just recently started training with Eddie Reynoso and Canelo Alvarez. I um, think that's a, those are pretty good, two good guys to, to join. <laughs> right, to collab. <laughs> yeah, wow. um, his son, his son has calves like, like his dad. Really? Um, just big old cast, and he already has good experience, and he's now he's in there with one of the best trainers in the world and one of the best fighters in the world. So maybe he'll carry on his, his dad's legacy. Diego Zinegar, I guess. He will be fighting Saturday, August 30th uh, at Wild Rose Casino and Hotel in uh, Jefferson, Iowa. It's a fight promoted by Extreme Maximus Boxing Promotions. One half of that group is Scott. The other half of that group is Monty Cox. You can credit Monty Cox for helping to develop the rules for mixed martial arts, extending out the rules for boxing in the state of Iowa. And those rules have been adopted by many athletic organizations around the country. And uh, knowing that we're in his hands, you guys are in his hands to be exact, uh, I think is is pretty darn cool. First fight that night, by the way, folks, don't wait, okay? Uh, Doors open at 4.30 on the 30th. First fight is at 5.30. We'll do the weigh-ins again the night before. So these guys are going to have a whole day to kick around, but they've moved up the start time to 5.30 in order to get you folks every bit of an opportunity to witness all these fights, no matter how you're doing it. You can get tickets online at nitrotickets.com. And again, pay-per-view option is available at extrememaximusboxing.com for pay-per-view information. But I would encourage you, too, to remember that fighters make additional wages, make additional money, uh, and, and you fight for a lot of reasons, but you don't want to go broke doing it. Um, mm-hmm. So fighters like Diego are selling tickets and tables as well. Uh, what are you hearing from uh, Monty and uh, others at the casino as far as how tickets are selling? Um, I haven't heard much yet. I know the first fight um, was completely sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I haven't really heard much word on the ticket sales um, right now for this event, um, but we are... I'm moving those tickets and uh, on top of that. I love it. How can they be in touch with you, Diego? Um, you can look up uh, my my first and last name, Diego Zuniga. That's D-I-E-G-O-Z-U-N-I-G-A on Facebook and Instagram. Mm. And um, based out of Des Moines, Iowa, so just keep your eyes on me. When did you start training to be a boxer? When or, or where? When? Oh, when uh, well, my my dad used to take me to the boxing gym, or Westside Boxing Club, around seven years old. Mm-hmm. And the 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 fighters that are in there are my coaches now. <laughs> really, Funny how that played out, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be in there and uh, seven years old, just hitting the bag, and and uh, I kind of strayed away from it. And then 13, 12, 13, 14 years old is when I got seriously back into it. You know, if you think about all the great fighters, all the great fights, uh, and I'll tell the story often, and I often do. And that is the scale to the 72 Ollie Frazier fight at Madison Square Garden. The scales in my dressing room at Madison Square Garden. And I wondered what it was for years, this old brass and, and wood uh, tall scale, right? And I wonder why they kept having that in there. Then they told me that's the scale that they used for the 72 weigh-ins. 
And I'm thinking, we've got to be able to employ this in wrestling, surely. And so we brought it out to the uh, the theater at Madison Square Garden for the official weigh-ins for the NCAA championships the year it was held in New York City. And everybody wanted their picture on that scale. There's a certain attachment that people make with uh, things, items that they can touch that were touched by the greatness that was Ali or Frazier or Norton or insert name here, right? There's so many great fighters, but... Uh, for the most part, you see guys that have fallen by the wayside. Maybe they've died uh, due to age or for whatever reason. But, you know, we have so little touch of it. You're giving us that, that fresh look and giving us that that uh, a new approach to what I consider one of the great sports in America, and that, of course, is boxing and mixed martial arts. But you've done a great job, Diego, and I can't wait to see you compete again on uh, on the 30th. It's going to be good. I, by the way, you weighed in sharp last time, and I'm and I'm the guy that makes a pronouncement as to how much you weigh. What is yeah. your prediction on your weight? Um, same as last time, right on, right on the money, right on the money. That's, That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Kira's doing drum beat on the on the studio console. Good job out of you, Kira. A little a little drum roll for well, you. Yeah, way to <laughs> way to contribute. <laughs> All right, Diego, we're going to look for you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you. It's always good to talk to you. Uh, we've had uh, Monty well. on. We had Johnny Case on. We have you on, and I don't know if I'm going to have Horn on uh, yet or not. No, he's truly busy rebuilding himself for this event. He didn't want to lose anything, and neither do you. I look forward to seeing you compete, and I look forward to watching your fight career continue to incline. Good job out of you. Thank you so much, Scott. I look forward to seeing you on the 30th. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Have a good day. Diego has a full-time gig, full-time job, and he trains as if that is his life full-time. Dan Gable said to be the best you have to be the first in the gym and the last out of the gym and his wrestlers uh like the bannock boys okay well the bannocks would start showing up at 5 30 well gable was already there then they started showing up at five and gable was already there they accused him of never leaving okay you think about that obligation and 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 what kind of example he as a head coach when if you recall this month is gable's 72nd birthday he won his Olympic gold in 1972, 72 for 72, okay? And it's it's that kind of example that guys like Diego and fighters like Jeremy Horn and uh, Pat Miletic and all the rest, all the folks that I know in our sports, okay, they in order for them to be the level best, they have to train like it. And quite frankly, Diego's on that track. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. We're going to talk a little bit about the bout at the ballpark, U.S. versus Iran, OSU versus Iowa, and that historic, and uh, you know what? There's a lot on the table for this. It'll be at Globe Life Field February 12th. You can get your tickets now for the event in person in Texas. Wrestling in Texas? What? Iran versus the United States of America, the red, white, and blue, will be proud on the field? It's an amazing facility, and it's an amazing event that each and every one of you can be a part of. Globe Life Field, February 12th. Tickets on sale now. We'll be back. Stay tuned. There's more. This is USA Wrestling on ESPN. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Joe Rogan said, that stuff is awesome. I just ordered a ton of it and use it every day. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. All right, welcome back to the show. 
Let's take you back to the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in Stillwater, Oklahoma. It was 2014 when our next guest, my friend, um, and I'm very proud to call him my friend, he is a stellar pinnacle of our sport and has been recently hired as the new executive director of the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club. As I said, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2014, recognized by his alma mater, Penn State, as a distinguished alumnus in 2018 and deserving all these honors along the way. He's literally one of the best ever college heavyweights in the history of the sport in the United States. And he took that beyond for an incredible, incredible career. He joins us now. This is Kerry McCoy. Good morning, Kerry. How are you? Hey, buddy. How's it going? I'm, I'm, I'm always pumped when I get to talk to you. I'm always, you know, your career is, uh, I guess it doesn't surprise me. You're in high demand. People want you to be around their athletes to have that beneficial effect that you've been able to give to so many. And you, you surround yourself with guys like Jeff Buxton and, and, uh, uh, K- uh, Kale Sanderson, Pat Santoro, Brad Dillon, Zach Ray. I mean, the list goes on and on. I've never looked at you other than competitively as a heavyweight. You've always been in good shape. <laughs> How does that happen? Do you spend a lot of time in the gym yourself? Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. So <laughs> it's, we were just talking to someone the other day, and you know, the idea of being a heavyweight, and a lot of people have the picture of me between 2000 and 2004 when I was a little bit bigger, and then you know, obviously I had my success in college as heavyweight. But I started off my senior high school as a 177-pounder, and then my freshman in college I wrestled 190. So wow. you know, people forget those times when, uh, when they think about it. So I always got to remind them I was – I was at an upper weight. I was a heavyweight for a little while, and then now I'm back to my normal size that people don't remember me. I got to believe you're at 184. I <laughs> know I wasn't wasn't that that one, but uh, yeah, definitely had some some good times on the mat. When I first saw you compete, I remember saying, "Oh my good lord, look at his legs!" You, I don't. Did you spend a lot of time, or was that just a natural development due to your body style? I mean, your legs were incredible. Hips down. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, yeah, I, I definitely spent a good amount of time in the weight room. Um, one of my favorite exercises was squats. So, you know, get under there, heavy squat. Joe Bastardi was my strength coach, Joe, you know, Joe. Penn State alum and world-renowned, meteorolo- world-renowned meteorologist and right. just awesome guy. So he put together a program that we were working on through uh, 99, 2000, and then all the way through 2004. And, yeah, definitely uh, – Spent a lot of time under that squat rack, so made you know, a big difference. You mentioned Joe. I mean, Bastardi is a pipeline for me, keeping me in touch with all things Penn State. Proud Penn State alumnus. And uh, perhaps one of the greatest men in my life that knows how to prepare uh, the body for competition, whether it's lifting or whether it's uh, posing. It doesn't matter. Dude knows how to harness uh, what the body already knows how to do, but to re- redirect that energy. It's just a, an outstanding job. You are succeeding one of our favorite people, the Bearded Wonder. That's Jeff Buxton. You did, <laughs> you did so October 1st. Um, talk to us a little bit about how this all took place, because, you know, I go back to the success you were experiencing at Stanford, the success you experienced, experienced at Maryland. Uh, you know, you've you've always been at the right place at the right time. You're exceedingly hireable. But this is a logical next step for you. Yeah, yeah, you know it, it's it's uh, it's awesome to be just affiliated with a guy like Jeff Buxton. He's he's done so much for so many and for our sport overall. So it's just great to be able to spend a little time with him through the years, and then now transitioning through this position. Um, yeah, it was we were we were really happy out in California. Obviously, 
going back out there last year and being a part of an incredible initiative to uh, keep the Stanford wrestling program. And that was awesome. The, the way that the team came together with the athletes and the coaches, and it really made a huge impact, not just on the sport of wrestling, but you know, on the community as a whole at Stanford because the, the galvanization of the Stanford family through the efforts of the Keep Stanford, Keep Stanford Wrestling Initiative really made a, a significant difference. So being there and getting to know those guys, and obviously I had a relationship with Coach Borelli, who was my assistant coach my last year at Stanford, and Coach Blake, who wrestled for me a senior year and coached with me for a year, and then obviously with Coach Chirapelli through the years being another Big Ten fellow, Big Ten alum. Had a real good relationship with those guys. So just the um, the experience of being able to work with them and spend time with them and, and learn and, and develop strong bonds with them was incredible. So um, I had, I was set, and then with the transition when those guys moved on and Coach Cole came in, and it was good to be able to connect with him. And obviously Vincenzo had that connection, Penn State, Enoch, mm-hmm. and I go way back. So it was just great to be able to be a part of that. But my family spent about six weeks this summer on the East Coast. You know, obviously with COVID, everything was shut down. So they hadn't left California in the entire year that we were out there. So, you know, it just kind of settled into being out there. But then when they spent their time on the East Coast and realized how much they missed being around friends and family, and it was uh, it was an opportunity that they said, yeah, you know, we should look at some of the other options that we we're being presented with. And having a relationship with, with the Lehigh Valley crew and, um, they had reached out and said, Hey, you know, we're looking at potentially making some adjustments. And I was like, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty set out here, but we'll keep the door open. And as time progressed, my family decided that they wanted to look at some other opportunities that went back and say, Hey, well, what are you, you know, what do you guys got going on? <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of talked about it and you know, went through the process and ended up making a decision to come back. So it was, uh, it was, uh, I don't want to say it was a spur of the moment, but it was definitely something that happened pretty quick once we made the decision that it was something they were interested in, but it was something that was on the table, you know, for a while, just the idea of coming back to the East coast and figuring out what's going to be the best, the best fit for us. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool how the process played out, but, um, I'm definitely missing my time out in California and the people there, but excited to be back in, in the old stomping grounds. And the folks in the Lehigh Valley absolutely love their wrestling and they're super protective of it. They put their money into it. They put their effort into it. And it's no wonder, you know, it's no wonder we get to see guys like you. I go back to your final college bout. I watched that just a, a couple of days ago. It was a win over a guest from next week's show, 1999, world freestyle champ, Stephen Neal. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you recall, Stephen could throw Brock Lesnar around like a ragdoll, but not Kerry McCoy. Stephen oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> Stephen is a great big dude, okay? And not a down of college football, went on for a stellar career in the NFL with the Patriots, Bill, Bill, Bill Belichick. Uh, but he was an outstanding wrestler, but he was like, you were, for, for me, and, and this is not a knock against uh, uh, against um, Stephen, okay? You were the mat technician with incredible strength. He was the bear and, and, and really it's it's hard to explain how a match can you describe that final bout your final collegiate bout with steven <laughs> well first off i gotta i mean i gotta give him kudos i mean as great of a of an athlete great as a wrestler football player he's even an even better person yes. and the battles that we had through our careers never never soured the relationship i mean we could always get together whether it's at the training center and hang out at the cafeteria or different things we always had a great personal relationship and then when it was time to scrap on the mat you know, we, we got after it. So just, uh, 
so fortunate to have a guy like Stephen Neal in my life. And through the years, post-competition, he's always been an upstanding and been able to uh, just really appreciate that relationship. So excited to have him in my life. Um, yeah, that senior year, you know, he was still young and he was a sophomore. I was a senior and we had battled throughout the, the years, uh, wrestling and freestyle a little bit. And we wrestled early in that year in a dual meet. So in the finals, uh, you know, it was, he, he was, he was on me, right? And I was trying to get after him. And early in the match, I was the aggressor. Being, you know, he's 6'6", six, six, and I was 6'3". It was not a whole lot of real estate on the mat. So every time, <laughs> you know, there was attack, we end up going out of bounds or, you know, getting in a stalemate. So we went battled back and forth. And I remember uh second period, I was on top. And I did a pretty good job first time we wrestled. I rode him out. And then so I was riding pretty good. And he actually got a reversal almost put me on my back you know some some people debate whether or not it was actually two swipes or not but i guess the cards were in my favor that time and they didn't give a back point so two zero i got out and in the third period i got out again it was two two and you know i had to pace pretty high and end up getting a stall call with about 15 seconds left to win the match wow. and um you know had to put on a little bit of defensive stand you know fourth and goal huh. stand in the last 20 seconds to to keep him away and he kept attacking but you know, he went on to have an incredible career, won the next two national championships, you know, four-time All-American, really uh, a huge asset to Cal State Bakersfield mm-hmm. wrestling program, and then went on. We battled to make the uh, the, the team in 2000, Olympic team. You know, he beat me out in 99. I made the team in 2000. In 2001, I beat him again, and it was just a great friendship, great relationship that was built on a rivalry. So, so happy and so fortunate to have had him in my life to, to make me a better athlete, and uh, but to know him as a better person. Exactly. really makes a difference and and how how generous of you to share that with our audience because it is absolutely true i see that's more likely than not shared existence shared experiences you guys go through you know a lot of the same things uh but it's all settled on the mat and then when it's done it's left on the mat and yet the crowds the fans out there want to see the battle between the two best that's that's yeah. normal right i mean yeah that's yeah. one of the things you're you're going to be doing i would imagine at the lehigh valley wrestling club what are uh some of the duties you will be charged with as executive director and head freestyle coach yeah so the you know the executive director piece is is the first thing is just getting everything organized and structured you know there's going to be some fundraising component in it. there's going to be scheduling there's going to be all kinds of uh, networking, just really making sure that the organization is truly functioning on all cylinders and, and doing a good job to serve its membership. And then as a head coach, we have three amazing athletes right now. Uh, Darian Cruz is a Lehigh alum, Joy LaValle, who wrestled at Missouri, and Giuseppe Rhea, who wrestled at Wilkes University. Um, Giuseppe actually just competed in the 2021 Senior World Championship in Oslo, and he ended up winning his first match, and he lost to the eventual silver medalist, and he lost to the bronze medalist in the repressage. So huge bright future for those guys and really excited about working with them and, and building our, our team and really helping these guys be successful on and off the mats. One of the things that we have, we have a program we call it engineered for success, which is, you know, a lot, a lot of our athletes in our sport and all sports, but really in wrestling, they get through with their competitive careers and they don't really have a whole lot to show for it. So right. we want to make sure that our athletes have the tools to not only be successful competitively, but also, put themselves on a path for a career after competition. And then we also have a component for community service. We want to make sure we're giving back to, you know, the youth, to the local community to make sure that it's not just, Hey, you're only focused on yourself, but you really want to give back. Cause I can say without hesitation that I only reason I'm here is because of a lot of other people and the commitment that they made. And, and I want our athletes to, 
to be able to share that commitment to help other people excel at a high level. So really focus on building, um, you know, not just a, a wrestling program, but really something that's going to be sustainable and, and give people opportunities to, to better themselves. And then they turn around and give it back to the community. And, you know, it's just a traditional paid forward model that really want to make sure that we continue to do here at the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club. It was a few weeks ago that uh, finally we were able to have a celebration of life for a man who had such an impact on the sport, not just collegiately, but internationally as well, helping to to change the minds, helping to sell the sport, helping to bring people, the right people together. And I'm talking about the late, great Lehigh coach and friend, Greg Strobel. Talk to us a little bit about Greg, because he helped mentor you as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I think this phrase is, is very well used, and, and uh, you know, words just don't describe what, what Greg Strobel meant to to me, to, to wrestling, to the world as a whole. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that a word that I that always pops ahead when I think Greg is legacy. I mean, mm-hmm. the number of, of people that he has worked with, just if, just a segment of the Division One head coaches, Division One coaches that he mentored and they wanted his tutelage, right? The number of world and Olympic medalists and, and international success stories and great, the, the, the measure we talked about is more so, the measure that really stands out is the number of great fathers and husbands that, learn from him. I mean, he really taught you and not, you know, politically correct or whatever. Like he really taught what it meant to be a, a great man, a great husband, a great father, you know, a, a great coach, a great person, all that stuff was rolled into it. And, um, you know, so his legacy is going to go on forever. And the fact that he's no longer with us on this planet, you know, he's going to be with us forever in spirit right. and in our hearts. So it's just, it's unbelievable the impact that he had on me. I mean, in so many ways, coach, friend, mentor, advisor. I mean, there weren't too many decisions that I made throughout my career that I didn't consult him with. And, um, you know, had, had, and just, just so many different things. And like I said, words really don't do it justice, but just an incredible, incredible human being to be associated with. And I'm so blessed and fortunate that he, you know, he chose to allow me to be a part of that. And, you know, it's, uh, he's truly missed, but every day we get to, to live with him because of, because of his legacy and the impact that he's had. Well said, sir. Well said, indeed. Um, we're talking with Kerry McCoy on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. This portion of the show brought to you by here.com forward slash Casper. Great hearing aids, incredible prices, but outstanding customer service. And that's what it's all about. If we learn anything from wrestling is you listen, you listen, you learn, and you give back. And you know what? Kerry McCoy has figured that out. That's why he's earned USA Wrestling's Lifetime Achievement Award. Okay. Uh, lifetime service award, but more than anything, you've had the ability to become an incredible father and a great, uh, husband to Abby. Uh, Abby's been your support. Uh, and then of course the kids and the balance of your family, extended family, they got to understand that, you know, you, you've been literally bi coastal <laughs> going, going everywhere. And I see you every, I remember sitting down to eat I don't remember, uh, maybe a pork chop and beans or whatever it was at Wisconsin in Badger country. And you sat down <laughs> next to me, by God, there's Carrie McCoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you're literally everywhere. How understanding is Abby? Does she ever give you any static about, oh, you got to go on the road again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and in, in, <laughs> as I mentioned with Greg Strobel, um, Donna, Greg's wife, right? she was a huge impact on so many people as well. And, you know, when we were at Lehigh the first time, Abby got to spend a lot of time with, with Greg and Donna and really just 
being able to understand what the life of a coach's wife, what the life of a you know a wrestler's wife is, and so being able to have that foundation. And don't get me wrong, there's still expectations, and you know sure. every wrestling coach will tell you that we always fall short because we never put as much time that we we should or could with our families, but we're all working towards that. So she understands the expectations um, that were put on me throughout my career, and you know we work together and we're we're a team to make sure that you know, yeah, there's gonna be some times when hey, practice is supposed to be over at six, and I don't get home until seven thirty because somebody needed something or something happened. Um, and then I have to understand that, okay, I need to make sure I make, make that call. Hey, hon, I'm running a little bit late. I'll be home later. I won't make it home for dinner, or, you know, or having stop in during the day to, to grab lunch instead of, you know, going the full day without seeing. So making that effort, coming home, putting your cell phone on the counter and spend the time with the family. Those are things that every coach is, you know, challenged with trying to maximize. And, and, um, you know, she's been very understanding and she, uh, she knows the expectations, but I know the expectations as well. So we work together. We're a good team, and, you know, and our important. kids are getting older, so they recognize it as well. So we're just really fortunate, really blessed that uh, you know God's blessed us so many different ways and you know, just taking every day one day at a time. Kerry, we just left Oslo. We got a bunch of new medals there. Uh, the Olympics were, in many ways, record-setting for Team USA. Uh, I think because of you, I can literally mark the advancement of our sport going back to 96, 97, and where it really started to be competitive, even in the face of the challenge of the IOC and getting rid of wrestling, okay? I can mark this date today as yet another milestone, okay? Because it's these clubs, okay? Like the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club, these regional training centers that are beginning to really have and spell out the true effect of the addition of this aspect of our sport, and that is the advancement of our athletes, making sure they're not living hand-to-mouth, making sure that they're able to get the best care, the best training, the best opportunities in the world. And we're seeing it right now in large part because of you. Carrie, you know, I love your brother. I truly do. And I'm so glad we're friends. You are an inspiration to many. Congratulations to our friends at the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club and Lehigh University, University uh, in the Lehigh Valley. But that regional training center is strong for having you at it. Nice job out of you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And everything you do for this sport is, is, you know, again, a lot of times you don't get the credit that you deserve when you're doing great stuff. So I want to thank you and appreciate everything you're doing and keep it up and, you know, really excited to continue to build this friendship that we've developed over time. So thank wonderful. you for being a friend. <laughs> God bless you, Carrie. Thank you, pal. Talk to you soon. Best Abby. Okay. All right. Take care. Thanks. Right. Scott. There we go. One of the true gentlemen of our sport and uh, gosh, you know, if you could, be just a little more like Carrie McCoy. I think you'll you experience so much more in your life through this sport. There's guys like that. And guys like our next guest coming up, we have Joel Greenley, head coach of the Bobcats of Ohio. Jaden Cox uh, joining us. I think he's in Columbia, Missouri, but we'll find out. He's the most recent bronze medalist of the world. And we'll talk with Mark Manning. Manning, uh, a lot of folks don't realize it, but Manning recruited Jordan Burroughs almost as an afterthought. Think about that. America's greatest wrestler, one of the world's greatest wrestlers, as an afterthought. We'll be back. There's more USA Takedown with Casper and Jones after this. This is ESPN Radio. Stay tuned. All guests on USA Takedown appear on the Defense Soap Newsmaker Hotline. Two-time world champion Terry Brand said, we use it in our showers and in our room. Defense Soap, it's what the pros use. 
Hello again. It is Friday morning, October 15th of the year 2021, and we have had an outstanding show. We started with Jeff Chelsvig, Diego Zinega, who's going to be fighting on the card uh, in boxing in Jefferson. We'll be there, and I hope you join us. Carrie McCoy recently just joined us from the Lehigh Valley Wrestling Club. Mark Manning scheduled up later in this hour, as is Jaden Cox. But we'll start with the story. And it was uh, just a few weeks ago when Joel... Greenlee made what I call a statement higher, okay? And, um, you know, I'm interested to find out how this happened because if you think about this, this, this hire, you think about the impact he's had on not just Ohio wrestling, but the impact he had in, uh, in Oklahoma, okay, as, a, as an assistant there. But Joel sought to bring back this young man to put him on staff and to be able to utilize all that energy that he obviously possesses. Now, Joel and I, uh, you know, we are bigger guys, okay? We may not have that energy to get down on a knee or two or even get back up, but he joins us now. Does the former UNI Panther, Joel Greenlee. Good morning, Joel. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. Tell us how the the hire happened because, Joel, I mean, that's a, it is a statement hire, okay? In my, in my estimation, been doing this for over 30 years. I got to believe that uh, that that his hire was probably is one for the record books in in terms of gotcha. That's a great get. What are your thoughts? Uh, I agree. I think really for us is a home run hire, and uh, you know he's a, a big name in the state. Obviously, he was a four time state champion. Did really well in his career at Ohio State. Uh, probably, I think without injuries, he's a guy that probably is going to be a, a couple-time national champion as well. So, um, you know, we're really, 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 really excited to have him on board, and uh, he's he's doing great things already. Already, yeah. He When when I first contacted him, I said, dude, I said, I want, I want you on the show right away. I said, this is such an important move for you, but also for uh, for Ohio wrestling. It's your mark to return. And it's going to be great to have you and your brother back together again. He said, well, no, 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 no. He said, my brother's at Ohio State. I said, I understand. But Ohio's <laughs> a state much like Iowa, Iowa State, right? Ohio, Ohio right. Bobcats, Ohio State, uh, Notre Dame of Ohio. I mean, wrestling runs deep in the waters of Ohio. I don't know. Think about it. What is this, your 21st year? Or 22nd Excuse year? Excuse me? Is this your 21st year as head coach 20. of the program? 24th shut up yeah <laughs> oh my how time flies how time flies what what i've been able to witness joel is a very patient individual in you uh you had a great career in it in your own right but you're able to bring uh some of the greatest kids in the country to ohio uh you've be, you've been a master recruiter it takes that to be uh i think effective in the sport what are your thoughts on wrestling today versus wrestling, say, 20 years ago? Because I think it's better. I think our athletes are better prepared. What are your thoughts? I, I think you're 100% right. You know, I, I think in high school, all these kids have so many uh, tools available to them already, like nutrition, strength training, conditioning, clubs. Um, you know, 20 years ago, guys were – meeting with other guys to go work out. Now you got a club with a, with a high level coach, a guy that was a national champion, all American, something like that. And they're going to that club two or three times a week, plus high school practices. Plus they have, 
people that are helping them with nutrition, people that are helping them with strength, strength and conditioning, their, their techniques way better. Um, all those things. So I, I agree hundred percent. Wrestling is better right now than it's ever been. What role does Heffernan play on your staff? Well, uh, half left. Half, half oh, I'm sorry. Knowledge. I've got the wrong yeah. notes open. You're right. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. Um, and that's, that's another extension of the Heffernan clan, right? <laughs> there's yeah, a, yeah. There's a whole John, lot of them. <laughs> John, his, uh, dad is, was the head coach at, <laughs> excuse me, St. Ed's and his mm-hmm. uncle Jim was the head coach at Illinois. Right. There's, a, there's, there's folks that just absolutely get the sport like you do. Okay. I want to take you back to your college days. Okay. Who did you aspire to and, and who did you look up to in the, in terms of wrestling at that time? Because the landscape, while it's changed, I think the desire to be the level best has it. I agree 100%. Uh, it, it, so, you know, the, the, when I was in high school, that was in a, when Iowa was in their run of nine straight national titles and all that stuff. And um, be super honest, I was kind of, I don't know, ignorant to college wrestling when I first started wrestling in high school. And um, probably, you know, as I got better and more into it, I started realizing what was going on there. And, uh, you know, Ed and Lou Bennett were probably two guys that I really – and there were more guys than that. Sure. (laughs) I'm trying to think of uh, Mike uh, Mike Mann at Iowa State. Right. He and Lou – or he and Ed Bennett had some battles. And when I was a kid, that was all on Iowa public television. So I got to watch him and, you know, th- those are, those are guys that I looked up to. You know, Iowa public television's coverage of the sport, uh, of live events, specifically Iowa state and so many others, uh, really did benefit the sport in a big way. I think we may underestimate it or don't tell that story enough, but you're right. We were able to witness many of these because of Iowa public TV. Um, you know, and guys like Hunter Steber were featured on the on my old television show in the Ohio Valley. Sometimes as many as five times a week, we were featured, doing feature stories on him and his brother and and you. You know, tell me the story of of Ohio Valley wrestling. The Greater Ohio Valley uh, is a big deal because there are so many folks there that are attached to the sport. It's 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 a, a state rich in wrestling history. Wrestling's huge in Ohio. I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, you'll go to sold out high school events, big tournaments, and it, like the, the, the talent runs so deep. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the, the five best guys in, in Ohio can probably compete with the five best guys in any other state. Right. But on top of that, there's 20 other guys that wrestle and play football or, Russell play football, baseball, track, something like that. And if they really concentrated on wrestling, they would be as good as right. the five best guys. And there are so many coaches out there that insist you're going to play football or nothing. Okay. So in other words, they don't. Yeah. And, and that to me is selling the benefits of what you learn through the sport of wrestling short. In other words, a football player and I'll example, Stephen Neal again, who never played it down a college ball. He was good in his, uh, uh, pro debut and, and prior just in, impressing Belichick because of his lateral movement, because of his strength, consistencies, you know, hard-nosed attack. But this guy was stronger uh, for the sport of football because of wrestling. And and too many, too many coaches 
have made you pick and choose. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm seeing a bit of a shift, a sea change, if you will, of, of coaches in football really valuing uh, a, a young man's athletic career in terms of was, was he involved in wrestling? Well, if he was, we're going to take another look at him. And generally, that's a hire. You know, and I, and I love that. I like two-sport athletes. I love three-sport athletes, those kids that are that dedicated and still able to achieve academically. How important is that for you at Ohio? Academic performance has become not just a watchword. It's become the word. Agree? Agreed. I, I, you know, academics are so important. Like, obviously, we want guys that are that are going to come to Ohio University, get a meaningful degree, be, be a meaningful member of society and all that kind of stuff. But um, if you take, if you take those guys that academically are, are, are maybe a risk or don't take it seriously, then you spend all your time, you know, following those guys around, make sure they're doing what they're supposed to do, all those things. And you don't spend any time with the guys that, that really deserve it and need it that are doing well academically and trying to develop them as wrestlers. But, Going back to a, a little bit of what you said about Stephen Neal, uh, it, it's kind of amazing to me that uh, that more high school coaches haven't really latched on to, hey, we want them to wrestle and play football mm-hmm. because you get you you have NFL coaches, uh, you know, Power Five, Division One ho- coaches that that say they love kids that are wrestlers, like Carlton Hasserig, the guy I wrestled in, in the NCAA finals. Oh my, he, he was a Pro Bowl for the the Pittsburgh Steelers and right. they, they raved about, you know, how much of an athlete he was because of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And you know what, without the baggage that he carried with him throughout the latter part of his career, I would say that he would still not only be here, but he would, and he, he did contribute, make no mistake about it. As you said, he did contribute to our sport, but you know, we all have demons. We must excise and, and his were fairly public, but wrestling helped him in so many ways, uh, work beyond what he was going through. And I think it's important that you recognize him. Uh, he was truly one of the greats. And Joel, you were too. Uh, you know, I go back to your competitive career and uh, and your achievements, both academically and athletically. It's become really evident why you have become uh, so in tune with what the NWCA, what the NCAA requirements are, and the fact that we want to be better than we even know we want to be. And that's academically. Um, your Bobcats have been in the top 15, I don't know how many times in terms of APR across this uh, country and over the last 24 years. But uh, this has not really been a challenge. It's been something that you aspire to, and your kids do too. Where does that come from? Well, I, I, I think it comes from, yeah, obviously, I think it comes from the head coach, really. Yeah. I think for us, we had the 11th ranked academic team in the country last year. And um, I, I think. Not I, I think uh, athletic directors, presidents, vice presidents, all that stuff, sometimes they don't really understand wrestling that well right? Uh, because it's not a mainstream sport, but they do understand, man, this team is doing well in their, in their profession, in their craft, in wrestling, and they're well, doing well academically as, you know, as well. That's something we can be proud of. That's something we can put money into, all that. So that's kind of where it comes from. I just think, hey, we, we cannot be great on the mat and then not be great academically and have them really invest in us. So it's something we work hard at. Um, 
you know, we, we aspire to have a thousand APR every year. Uh, doesn't always happen, but I think out of the last four years, we've had three of them that were a thousand and our team GPA is a little over almost a uh, 3.3, which is pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. Um, and, and we talk about it in practice and we really talk about it daily. Mm -hmm. Who from last, last year's squad, who, who will you miss the most in terms of that kid that's in the room? that is uh, aspiring for greatness, that is training like a madman, that gets it, that understands why they're there. And, you know, surely they look to the NCAA championships as the end-all, be-all. Maybe some have international uh, aspirations. But from last year's squad, who will you miss? Uh, you know, Mario Gann was a national qualifier for us last year, coming back, getting his master's degree, all that stuff. So he's in his sixth year. But the guy will, I think, will miss quite a bit is, is a guy named Jake Walker. Um, came here as not a, a highly touted recruit or anything like that, but just put his nose to the grindstone, worked hard every day, uh, was also in the uh, ROTC on campus, ended up being a great leader for us, mm -hmm. uh, a, a super hard worker to bring other guys along with him. Um, and and turned himself into a, a a really good wrestler, so I think he's the guy we're going to miss right now, just because um he because he was such a good leader. Mm -hmm. Now, as a member of the MAC conference, okay, the uh, yeah. the MAC has changed its complexion over the uh, the last five, six, ten years, really. And yep. has changed again with the departure of Missouri. What What are your thoughts about the MAC? I think it's still one of the toughest conferences in the country, and I think you see uh, guys out of the MAC emerging uh, as incredible coaches. And I've been noticing that over and over and over again. Maybe it's because of guys like Tom Borelli or guys like you that are being great role models to these young athletes that want to become coaches. That's what they aspire to be. But what is it about the MAC championships, the MAC conference itself? as a great, uh, what I call the cradle of coaches. I think it's one of those conferences that's a lot tougher than you think it mm -hmm. is. Um, uh, I, I think there's a lot of parity, um, you know, budget wise, salary wise, although we're, we're not the highest paid guys. We don't have the biggest budgets. We don't have the most scholarships, any of that stuff. we got to, you know, uh, kind of fight for everything you get. And I think, I think you develop a lot of skills that maybe you don't have to develop at other places where you're, where you're given a lot of those things. Mm -hmm. I think, I think you're, you're absolutely dead on. I really, am. I think Kent state has that experience. I think Cleveland state oh. has that experience. I think VMI has it. I think this is what, what I call the scrabble, hard scrabble. You guys fight for everything points and, and poundage. In other words, you guys are putting food on the table for these guys to eat. They got to eat the best. You're, the 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 opportunity for America's modern day collegiate athlete is so great right now because the tools are being afforded. The athletic directors are saying, "Why, if we offer it to football, why shouldn't we offer it to wrestling? We should. We absolutely should. There's no reason to treat them any differently." I agree, one hundred percent. And an athlete's an athlete, whether it's soccer, wrestling, track, rugby. So, yeah. recently it was announced that. Um, uh, the University of Iowa and Oklahoma State would be wrestling on Globe Life Field 
in Texas, of all places. And so will yep. the United States and Iran. Upon hearing that, that's the next best thing to the Olympics, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of greatness, big. They want to sell more than 42,000 tickets. What are your thoughts? Uh, another unbelievable opportunity for wrestling, I think. Mm-hmm. Just within the last year, so impressive of what I think coaches, administrators, athletic departments have done, you know, kind of started with uh, grapple on the gridiron, and then you see people wrestling uh, outdoor matches at baseball fields, and then through COVID last year, um, the season was, was shortened, and they had uh, RTC events and all those things. I think this is just another another awesome opportunity for wrestling to, to, to get out there and get through the mainstream media and, and, and reach the public, and I'm sure it's going to be a great event. Uh, I haven't, you know, I haven't seen the USA versus Iran lineup or anything like that, but between the two college teams that are wrestling and, and USA versus Iran, it's, it's going to be an unbelievable event. Mm-hmm. USA proud no matter what, but I tell you what, it's an opportunity for wrestling fans to experience literally the level best as we experience each and every time you're on the program, Joel. I'm glad we're friends. Uh, continued success. And the Bobcats, the mighty Bobcats. I expect to see a T-shirt or something this year that I can wear. <laughs> uh, you got it. You got it. <laughs> wait till my continued weight loss. Uh, wait wait till the weight continues to uh, happen. The weight loss. Yeah. Okay, I'll get it out. I'll get it out. By the way, uh, Down University in Nebraska is set is scheduled now to add women's wrestling in 22-23. Wrestling continues to grow in a large part because of guys just like you. Joel Greenlee, good to have you on the show, brother. Appreciate that. Thanks for having me. It's always good to talk to you. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk to America's most recent vintage uh, bronze medalist at the World Championships. We're going to talk with a guy that uh, helped put... Um, well, Missouri wrestling on everybody's lips. We're talking about Jaden Cox. He's next as the Mizzou alumni. We're, we're getting ready to phone him right now, so hopefully he's up next. Anyway, that's coming up after the break. This is USA Takedown, brought to you by Barbarian Apparel. Think you heard everything? Stick around. You ain't heard nothing yet. More USA Takedown after this. All right, we're coming to you live from the Wild Rose Casino Studios in Des Moines, Iowa. It is USA Takedown on ESPN. That's uh, 102.1 FM. And also, uh, I've got to put the point in there, 102.1 FM and 1350 ESPN, usatakedown.com. Also on iTunes, Stitcher, and the iHeart app as well. It's all brought to you in part by our friends of Barbarian Apparel, here.com, and so many great sponsors, including Defense Soap. On our Newsmaker Hotline is a guy that, is the very definition of Tiger-style wrestling, and he's taking it international. As a matter of fact, recently, he was, uh, uh, well, he earned the right to climb the box yet again, okay? It was his fourth podium appearance at the Worlds. He joins us now, this bronze medalist, world bronze medalist, Jaden Cox. Jaden, how are you? I'm doing good. How about yourself? It's good to talk to you, man. I'm doing good. Uh, I'm thinking wrestling is in a much better place today than it was, say, a year ago. Uh, wrestling has led the way in terms of sport, being able to continue to compete even in the face of COVID, that which we've all experienced. Agree or disagree? I do. I, I agree with that. Um, it's it's more so. Uh, I think that you know, a lot of you know, I guess programs and a lot of people have you know gone to great lengths to make sure that we, you know, we want to compete, but we do it safely. We mm-hmm. make sure that we're following certain guidelines to keep everyone safe who wants to participate and. 
and be a part of this. And, uh, and I think that's, that's awesome because, I mean, it keeps people banding together to be able to do the sport that we love the most. I want to talk to you about the World Championships in Oslo. First of all, Oslo, Norway is a very beautiful place to, uh, to go if you're just okay. going, going on a trip. What was it like for you as an athlete and a tourist? Oh, it was it was wonderful. Um, and actually, it's probably one of the smoothest trips that I've I've had as far as just you know getting there, flights, even like sleep, even like acclimating. I, I did a really good job. So um, overall, it was it was you know it was great, and it's an amazing place. It's very beautiful. I'm glad I got to walk around and see um, a lot of Oslo. And I mean, I have pictures, videos. It was an amazing, awesome place, and people were very kind and um, and. Uh, you know, they, 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 they love to, I love conversating with so many different people. So, uh, really, really awesome. You know, there's so many great athletes that you get to travel with, compete with, compete around. Um, and, the, and I go back to, you know, the observations, the scores, you dominated your way, uh, through your first three bouts, winning by tech fall in each with a combined score of get this now kids, 33 and two, 33 to two, 33 to two. Jaden Cox on his game is a is a, a power. You, it's hard to stop. If well, obviously many people are finding it unable to stop. <laughs> I like that, but it was the semifinal match, and I'm not always going to agree with officials. As a matter of fact, I'm very vociferous about my opinions. And uh, that semifinal match, you you fell just short of winning. the 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 score was tied three three. And here we go to criteria. I don't like criteria. I really don't. Okay. If it's three three, should have gone to overtime. Okay. It should have gone to the point where the next point scored wins. And I have a feeling that would have been you. Three three is no way to end that, but nonetheless you took home a bronze medal. What did you take away besides the bronze, besides that climb up on the box? Um you know, this this is our world championships. In many ways, it's as good, if not better in some instances, because of the people that are and countries that are able to compete, but the world championships are big deal, and you're a part of it again. Talk to us a bit about that bronze medal match where you did dominate. You won by Tech Fall eleven zero. Was that a was that an answer to the match prior? Did we lose Jaden? I was not sorry. I accidentally pushed the mute button <laughs> on my on my end. My bad. Okay, so. so yeah, take me so, from three three, okay, where your opponent won on criteria, putting you into the bronze medal match. But it was in that match where you you uh, win by tech fall eleven zero. Um, it's like there was a road bump in there, and then you come back and speed through the parking lot. Talk to us about that. Uh, I, and I talked with KJ, but I think one of the things that I did, you know, I came back off the mat, and I was like, you know, hey, like. I, I I apologize to him, but I also apologize to myself because in, in the match before I just didn't do enough, and I was like, "That's one I'd like to have back." Like, just didn't do do enough for for to to, to win, you know. And I think, um, and like I I get your point on on uh, you know thinking, hey, there should be an overtime, but like I I honestly disagree, you know. Like, uh, I don't think there should be. I think really? that we have a set time. Like we're saying. We're not we're, 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 when we're going to the World Championships or the Olympics. We're not trying to say who's the best in the world uh, with, who, with and, and who's the best in the world and who needs a little extra time to figure it out. Like no, like you're trying to figure out who's the best in the world for six minutes. Who's going to be the better man? Who's going to be the better woman? Who's going to be 
uh, who's going to be the best right here, right now. All right, and these are your rule sets, and this is what it is, and so go and prove it. You know, like I, I like I like the fact that criteria is a thing because it allows for wrestling to it allows wrestling to happen, and it forces wrestling to happen. Um, and I like the fact that like it can it can change the type of wrestling that you're going to see. You know, I think it allows for wrestling to really thrive in different aspects of every match and of of itself. Um, you know, I, I mean, in every situation. Mm-hmm. So I like the variety that the criteria brings throughout the match um, and throughout the sport. So that's kind of why I like criteria. And like, I mean, you know, like I said, I think that we set a time, like, be better and here and like, and I, and one of the things that I, I, and I think this is why, like, I don't, like, uh, like, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking like anybody else, like no one likes to lose, but you have to lose with the same grace that you, that you win with. Right. Um, you know, like, so obviously like I, I'd love to win every single match that, that, uh, I ever compete, I ever compete in. But, um, but when you lose, I think, you know, one of the things that like, for me, it's just like, I always put it back on me when I, 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 I lost this match. I didn't do this. I didn't do enough. I didn't get the job done, you know? So, um, and then I'd, I had to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to get back to where I want to be. I mean, I, I, and, and honestly, I mean, the 11-0 match, I think I just wanted to end the, the tournament with, you know, a good match. A you know, I wanted to end it with a, with a, with a, with a, uh, with a big time match and showing what I can do and, and, and it was, and then that's what I did. Mm-hmm. And I look back at your medal count, the awards, the recognitions you've received. This is your second bronze medal at the Worlds. You won gold in 18 and 19 and a bronze medal at the 2016 Rio Olympics. You're no stranger to overseas travel and competition. No. Uh, you're one of those cats out there, Tigers, that uh, is definitely leading the way. I've got to ask you about uh, the changing scenery. Um it was announced a few months ago that Burroughs would be leaving Nebraska, heading east to Philly, uh, you know, green, et cetera. The people that are making changes are making changes for a reason. Put yourself in that position. Why do uh, athletes at the, at the advanced stage that you guys are at in terms of preparedness and competition around the world, why do you need to change it up every once in a while? Well, honestly, and one thing my brother always says, and I tend to sometimes not agree with this, but I, I've seen it. He says, it, you know, when there's change happening, like, it's a good thing. Um, and I was just like, and so I think that, you know, with Burroughs and, and, and Green, I mean, if you if you watch them, I mean, obviously Burroughs was Burroughs, but I think Burroughs has been um, even better, uh, you know, now since leaving I think it just keeps you on your toes. It gives you another aspect to look at from training. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I think it could also give you a certain sense of, uh, you know, being comfortable. You know, I think with, you know, girls now being back at, at Penn RTC, like now he's close to family. Um, you know, he gets to be, his kids get to hang around with their grandparents and so on and, and so forth. So I think there's a certain aspects that go into training that aren't necessarily training itself that can play into you know, hey, I need this change. I need to move here. I need to be here. Um, because you have to understand that this, you know, wrestling is a sport where a lot of different aspects go into the output that can go into the mat, right? So we always, everyone talks about, you know, you know, live your life off the mat 
um, just as just as good and just as well, put as much effort into it as you do on it. But what does that really mean, and what does all that entail? And people really don't realize like that's literally your whole life, right? Like in your whole life, what are you putting into putting into it? What are you putting into it off the mat? Mm-hmm. Like what 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 are you getting out of it? You know, right? So if you're going through your life and you're off the mat and you're stressed and you're freaking out or you have things that are on your plate, like you really think that on the mat's going to be, you know, as productive. Like maybe it is, but just imagine where you could be when you're carefree and just just thriving and growing. So I think that's part of it. But also I think that um, a big thing too is like when you have something different, you have a different um, aspect, a different, uh, I guess, a mindset towards the sport. I mean, that just opens another avenue for you to connect with from where you are in the sport um, and allows you to grow. And that's the big thing here. I mean, that's like if you really look at, and I, and I use JB because, gosh, he's been – He's been the guy that's been Mr. Consistent for the last 10 years, winning right. medals and one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, right? And still going. I use that like every year he's found something to get better, right? He's found something to evolve. He's found whether, you know, it's a technique, whether it's, it's, it's a movement, uh, a shot, you know, and, and even like I know we've worked on things and there have been things that we've worked on that maybe he wasn't that great at, but then he moved, he made an adjustment to, make it fit his style for how he needed to do it right mm-hmm. and i think that's the thing with a lot of guys why team usa nowadays has been so good is because when we get together um that's kind of what we do we share we we talk we figure it out we um and we help mold you know things for mold techniques and stuff for each person you know you think about it um you're having an effect on the youth of america I don't know if you feel that, but it is true. Uh, you've become something that uh, not only are the Tiger faithful happy to have you as a member of the family, you're a leading member of the family as a competitor, as a student. And when you live your life well off the mat, it, it shows in things like your ability to play guitar, your ability as a singer, your ability as a teacher, as a young coach. I mean, there are so many things you give back it's more than just wrestling. That's part of the picture, but it's not the picture. The bigger picture is who you've become. Kathy did not raise uh, a kid that's you know willing to shy away, uh, you know, from challenge. She has been a monster driver in not only your career but your life, and you respect her for that. I love your mom. Well, she did have a force of the, to make you <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. Uh. I remember being young. She made us. She said, "Like you guys are going to play an instrument for one year. Give me one year, and then you can be done with it." But um, no, yeah, she's she's uh, you know she's raised her kids to uh, to you know embrace challenges. To but also I think that uh, you know I think the big thing was um, for for us at least was to you know realize that we had um, each other as far as you know. My brothers and my and my and my you know my father and my family and uh, it's just a, a big thing for us to like you know to bond over over times of of, of of struggle or whatnot if we need help or something's going on so I mean but no she's definitely been one to be like you know if something if you if you want I think a big thing that my family and this is something I learned from my grandfather um, my family has been that you don't deserve anything in this life. Um, there's nothing in this life that you deserve, um, but you earn everything. 
Mm-hmm. And you know, my grandfather really instilled that um, in me and my brothers. And it's just something that, you know, we kind of hung on to. I think that kind of was drove the whole like facing challenges and, and, and embracing different things that may come in life is just like, like I, you have to earn it. I think that's what kind of gave us a little bit of a grind and grit and also didn't make us complain about too much. Right. Because it's just like, we have to earn it. We, that's what it is. If it's, it's worthwhile, it right. If it's worthwhile, it's worth putting the effort into it. And that's, and that's the benefit I think to not only Mizzou wrestling, right. And not just you, not just the other national champs that have been a part of Mizzou wrestling, you know, straight, conference championships and all that but it really does boil down to great role models that are willing to put in the work and it starts with brian smith brian smith is one of the unsung heroes in large part i don't know why okay (laughs) but in terms of the sport of wrestling i learned about the foundation of the sport more from interviewing brian over these many years and having his friendship he's never shied away from giving me a true and accurate observation of of what i'm doing and how i can best help the sport you're doing just that by your style and that is tiger style isn't it yeah i mean he uh i mean i think that he doesn't get enough enough credit for not only for what he does for the sport but i mean what he does in um young men's lives you know right. um, so i think that like and also and obviously that might be hard because things happen behind closed doors or or whatnot and that doesn't get uh, publicized and i think and i don't want to just say him but like obviously a lot of coaches um there are a lot of coaches that could be commended for being a role model or standpoint for you know a lot of young men so Mm -hmm. i don't want to say that in the sense of like he's the only one but uh he's definitely from my experience i know my experiences with him that uh he should be he should get a little bit more credit for for how he um how he helped not only build mizzou's program as a wrestling team but build the program from the people that were involved in it. Right. I mean, and I've known, and I know the story of how things were before at Mizzou, especially about the culture and what was going on. Like we talked about things off the mat and stuff. Right. But then he not only made changes and not only did he make changes in who he brought in, but the people that were already there and the culture that they had, he made changes with some of those people's lives as well. And I think that's amazing. And he continued that on. He helped. Um, he, he parted the clouds because it was dark. Okay, we'll just put oh, it sure. out there. It was dark. He parted the clouds, and not only was he showing the athletes, the fans, but the the you know the athletic department in the whole that wrestling can be a benefit and a leader, and he has played that role well. Uh, and and guys like Kendrick Maple, Matt Manley, Mike Larson, uh, yeah, Terrell Todd, I just adore. You know, there's so many great guys and girls that have come through the system and are giving so much more back to the sport. I, I've got to believe that whatever your next competition is, and I don't know what it is, can you, we've got about a minute left. Where are you set to compete next? Oh, right now I'm looking for February 12th, the Iranian duel with the USA. Baby, going to be down in oh. uh, Texas, the great state of. And it's going to be, sure. you know, I, I can't wait to be there as well. It's at the ballpark. Bout at the ballpark. You're going to be able to see one of my favorite wrestlers, one of my favorite humans on this planet compete. And that's, of course, Jaden Cox. Jaden, always good to catch up with you, my brother. Tell Kathy I said hi and uh, give my best to everybody else. Tiger Style Wrestling is alive and well in part because of you, my friend. Great leadership out of you. No, thank you so much. It is always great to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks, Jaden. And he's, you know what, Kira? 
we talk about these guys having multiple levels, right? And and of success. Well, he is a very good singer and a very good guitarist, an outstanding student, and he knows how to uh, put everything in perspective. I've had the opportunity to go out for lunch with him, and we have our our conversational battles. But I agree with him so much in the way he approaches his life. And I hope you folks enjoyed that conversation as well with Jaden Cox, America's most recent bronze medalist at the World Championship. All right, coming up, this program brought to you in part by our friends at Mullet's Restaurant. We're going to be joining up with uh, a legendary coach for sure in Mark Manning, the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Stay tuned. There's more on the other side of the break. This is USA Takedown. USA Takedown is brought to you by Barbarian Apparel and Kaldenberg's PBS Landscaping. Stay tuned. More USA Takedown after this short timeout. All right, welcome back to the show. It is USA Takedown. Kira Jones producing this program. Thank you, Kira. Look for us online at usatakedown.com. And, of course, uh, so much wrestling news is coming out. There's a... A, uh, a groundswell of support for the University of Iowa. I'm going to focus on them for a moment. But the University of Iowa picked up a bunch of recruits. Coincidentally, right after Tom Brands made his passionate speech at the halftime between Iowa and Penn State football at Kinnick Stadium, when the first half was over, people were taking a rest or covering their ears, wanting to get back to some sense of normalcy in terms of sound. Well, Tom Brands did not let him off the hook. Tom Brands fight. Can you find that uh, that clip of Tom giving an inspirational speech oh. uh, while we're we're waiting for Mark Manning's call? Uh, it, it's it's Tom Brands at the halftime uh, talking a little bit about uh, Iowa wrestling being number one, uh, and then after that, it was a a an amazing number of athletes committing to become part of the future of uh, University of Iowa wrestling. And I wonder how much was predicated upon his performance at the half. I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, Tom is shying away from most media right now. And as he usually does, he's not a media hog at all. Uh, one of the least favorite things he does is talk to the press. Okay. And I don't listen. That's, that's his choice. And I still respect him immensely because he is an outstanding coach, but he's also an outstanding recruiter, and they have picked up so many great recruits at the University of Iowa. So how much was responsible? Well, she's looking it up right now, and I'll get into the biggest story of the week, in my estimation, is the historic bout scheduled to take place February 12th at Globe Life Field as the United States will take on in an exhibition bout. Well, what what else would it be? Why do we have to say exhibition? Okay, it's always going to be an exhibition bout. Okay, are there any medals on the line? Maybe not, you know, but does, does that make it any less important? There's pride on the line for both countries, Iran and the U.S., especially that it's in the United States. But for this event to come uh, together as quickly as it did, where you have a nation that we don't always politically agree, but that's Iran, willing to come stateside to the United States. And if you recall, we... Uh, rubbing shoulders with them in our fight to save the wrestling uh, wrestling in the Olympics when the IOC decided that eh, maybe we'll drop them from the Olympic program. Well, Iran and the United States had the same opinion of that, and that is no way, no way at all that's going to happen. Okay. Also, 
OSU versus Iowa. That'll take place at the same time. Two mats on Globe Life Field, and they'll alternate a college bout. Once that's over, it'll be an international bout. So this is good for fans of wrestling no matter what. The general public will be allowed into the first ever bout at the ballpark, uh, scheduled again February 12th. It'll include matches between the OSU Cowboys and the University of Iowa, as it should. and That'll be part of their recognized schedule for the year. But both teams, nobody wants to lose to the Cowboys. Nobody wants to lose to the Hawkeyes. These two teams do not legitimately like each other. But I'm wondering why this bout was never put together for between the Penn State Nittany Lions and the University of Iowa, because Penn State is always the pretender to the throne, if not the one upon it. So I'm wondering why Penn State was not a part of the conversation. Were you able to find that clip? Okay, you're still looking. All right. So the United States and Iran are among the top world powers in international men's freestyle wrestling. We saw it again in Oslo, Norway. The U.S. took second. Iran was third at the Senior World Championships. USA Wrestling won an impressive, get this now, kids, five men's freestyle medals at the 2020 Tokyo Olympic Games, led by two individual Olympic champs, while Iran had two 2020 Olympic men's freestyle medalists. You see what's happening. There is a sea change, a level change of power. And I think it has something to do, a a lot of it to do with leadership at USA Wrestling. We're seeing the greatest coaches uh, being moved around like chess pieces. Uh, Kevin Jackson, the most recent, taking an assistant level coach at uh, at Michigan, home of the Wolverines, okay? But you're seeing pieces being changed. and, And they're not afraid because, you know what? every college coach, every coach in the country understands when you have a solid program following college, I'm talking about international competition, collegiate wrestling gets that much better. Okay. It's no, it's no secret why the U S plays second. Okay. And it was a close second, but the, we have a friendly, a friendly rivalry between the United States and Iran that goes back some, well, decades really in 1998. If you recall, USA wrestling international men's freestyle team was, the very first U.S. sports team to compete in Iran since the Iranian Revolution, a period of great unrest which spanned almost two decades. And since that historic event in 98, the United States wrestling team has competed with Iran 17 times. Okay, 17 times they've competed. Think about that. We can't get along with them politically or geopolitically, but we can get along with them on the mat. As a matter of fact, when we are in Iran... Or wherever we are, the Iranian fans are unbelievable. They are rabid fans with their drums and their horns and their chants. They know their sport perhaps better than anybody in the world. The Iranians look at wrestling as their national sport. I would suggest we used to. And then came along football and baseball and basketball. Wrestling was, turn of the century, was the sport that was looked upon to have world champions. Guys like Frank Gotch and Farmer Burns and guys that were very, very literate in the sport of wrestling, but especially catch wrestling. So the last time Iran competed in the United States was go back to the World Cup in L.A. I was there, 2016, the World Cup in Los Angeles. And those fans were literally behind A.L. Hazlett, my producer and co-announcer, and myself. The Iranian broadcaster was behind me, who coincidentally looks unbelievably like me. 
that's scary enough, right? That there'd be a doppelganger of me somewhere on God's green earth. But in this case, he was sitting right behind me. His microphone was the headset microphone that you usually plug into an iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. And we went to commercial break and I turned around and I asked him, I begged him, dare I say, I begged this Iranian broadcaster who was tremendous at his job, but he was yelling and screaming into his phone, into that microphone (laughs) with, and I could not hear myself do my work. And uh, he reciprocated, he moved down a few seats, and thank goodness for that. But the fans that were sitting behind him, the Iranian contingent, and the Persians, by the way, love their wrestling. They absolutely adore their wrestling. Well, they feel the same way about wrestling and wrestlers from the United States. When Jordan Burroughs walks into a stadium in Iran or wherever in the Middle East, they give him standing ovations. They present him and his family with gifts. And that largesse is bestowed not just upon him, but it's bestowed on the sport as a whole. Because as Jordan Burroughs has proven, as he does well, the sport does well. We saw it again in Norway. We saw it in Japan. Tokyo was, I think, a very good barometer for how wrestling will be in years to come for the United States and what we can expect from the United States and from the balance of the world. Wrestling has is it's doing its level best uh i'm going to show you this phone here kira okay okay if you can make that call to mark okay Okay. uh so what's happened is that wrestling uh when we put our mind to it was uh, we were able to raise all boats all ships all countries all teams competitively we're providing a much better opportunity for athletes on the mat and athletes around the world and we'll see it again come february 12th in texas on the Globe Life Field. Capacity expected to be at least 27,000. Guess what? I think they're going to go way over that, as they did Oklahoma State at Iowa at Kinnick Stadium, 42,000-plus for that particular event. I think we could see world record setting being set left to right around the corner. If you want tickets for the Bout at the Ballpark, they went on sale 10 a.m. just a day or two ago at texasrangers.com forward slash wrestling. And wrestling fans, we're encouraging you to buy your tickets right away to guarantee the best seats. The Battle at the Ballpark will be streamed live on Flow. Hopefully they'll have a stream that will be able to support the uh, the demand for this obviously uh, important match, not just collegiately, but for international purposes as well. I think it's a, an outstanding opportunity for us to put forward our best foot, our best coaches, our best athletes, and uh, do we have Mark? All right. So <laughs> I am, first of all, anytime I get to talk with Mark Manning, it's a good day. Okay. You look at his career record. Some Is it 23 years, Mark? Yes, it is. Okay. 280 and 120 and five. 280 career dual meet records. You are the winningest coach in Nebraska athletics history. Think about that. You know, you've been able to coach some 53 All-Americans. You've led five wrestlers, including four Huskers, to individual national titles. Ten top ten national or NCAA team finishes at Nebraska. You've been awarded almost every award there is in wrestling, and deservedly so, including the Dan Gable Coach of the Year. That's high praise. But, Mark, I think we're perhaps missing one of your greatest accomplishments. As I said in my my diatribe prior to you jumping on the show, 
is that wrestling and we as a sport have done a good job. Jordan Burroughs has done an outstanding job of helping to raise all boats. And the competition in this country, the competition around the world has been rising to meet that challenge that he's been providing. He didn't just pick it up by accident. He had an outstanding coach in you, the legendary Mark Manning. Mark, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks. Thanks for having us on. Tell me what Oslo was like for you. Um, well, besides getting through the, uh, <laughs> the protocol, <laughs> Oslo was a great, I, I thought, uh, I thought team USA really performed at a high level. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I know they, you know, there was a, they were, you know, it's just tough. The margin of error to, to win the whole thing is, is really small, but I thought team USA really performed well. Um, I, I know my man, James Green, uh, man, he, he was ripe to, to win the whole thing and right. lost to a tough Osbergen guy in the quarterfinals. And, and I think he gets through that guy. He's a world champ this year, but, uh, I, I feel for James. I know, I know he was right there. And, um, uh, I know obviously Jaden Cox and, and, and David uh, lost some tough matches. So, but I thought overall, I thought they they performed great, and um, you know it was it was great to be there for James and and Jordan, and obviously Jordan winning his sixth world title was was uh, epic, and and he you know he's he's got more in him, and and uh, you know a lot of times people thought because he didn't make the Olympic team, he lost to a pretty good guy. Yeah. You get, people got to realize Kyle Dake's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> he's more than pretty good. He's a, he's elite. All right. And so you know, wasn't like he got beat fifteen zero, fifteen zero. But um, I think t- sometimes people just give up on people that 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 didn't make the Olympic team. And he had a lot of success. And while well, he's washed up, well, pretty good guy he has to beat. But Jordan just showed his resolve and showed his his per- perseverance. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, you know, he, he wasn't going to be denied. He, he was on a mission and, uh, you know, he's continuing that journey and we love him because of it. He's, he, he's the goat. And, and the reason why he's right. the goat is because just how all the other coaches and wrestlers and across the world react to him. It's, oh. it's amazing. He's got a, He's got a spirit about him that's very unique. He throws no shadow either. I, I think it's important to know that he never he never rises above his opponents in terms of credibility. He's always there performing to his level best. He never makes excuses. You have often said that records go on paper and in books and often get tucked away. The most important thing you do is to help these young men grow into upstanding adults, and that's by teaching correct principles of life. Mark, that has been a watchword and a watch philosophy for you throughout your career, and it started back in your competitive days. And you know what? I challenge other coaches that perhaps are missing the, the whole picture, and that is the responsibility. That is the lesson learned from the sport well played, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 20 years from now, we well, everyone wants to win. There's only only one person wins the, wins the national title a year. Only one team wins the national title, but it's about helping young men and women in our sport, you know, reach their pinnacle, but realize their potential. And, you know, um, whatever that is for each and every person, it's, 
It's about preparing them for life. And so that's our, our most important job is that. Right. right. And I think Brian Snyder, not only was he a student athlete for you, but he's also been a student coach. In other words, he has learned from you in so many ways, and he has the respect of those around the country, his fellow coaches, assistant coaches, no matter what. You've done a great job in preparing him as a coach. My gosh, he won a Terry McCann Award already. You know, this is what we're seeing over the last 20 to 30 years since we started this program is the very reemergence of the sport. And right now, with time limited, by the way, I I would say that wrestling is in a much stronger position. Listen, another program in Nebraska has stated that they're going to be starting a women's program. Okay. Doan University is adding wrestling in 2022, 2023. This isn't happening because wrestling's not happening in Nebraska. Wrestling indeed is happening in Nebraska, and it starts in Lincoln. Travel Delognev, you were able to uh, hire him to come in and take care of uh, the club and join your staff. I think these are huge statements. That is somebody I look up to, not just because he's strong, but because he's a good person. And this is yeah. what you're surrounding your athletes with. Yeah. I'm just, yep. I'm just so grateful you're a part of our sport. You may not have the best selection or the best choice in shoes, but <laughs> I go back to the, 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 the Midlands Championships. How does that feel? Yeah. He called a, you out in front of everybody. Because of your shoes. I thought you were wearing bowling shoes at the Midlands. I really thought from across the, I was doing my mm-hmm. job on air, you were coaching, and I thought they were bowling shoes. And I went over, I said, how did you get out of the bowling alley with those shoes? He said, what are you talking about? <laughs> hey, hey, that was that that was the brand of uh, whatever the, uh, the the style that Adidas were, were dressed us out in that year. So oh, well, I was just uh, I was just going on along company lines, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, Mark, you, you've always been there to to a style and profile, and, and I thought perhaps you just perhaps got dressed in the dark that morning with the shoes. So anyway. Uh, Mark Manny is our guest. He's uh, on the Defense Hope Newsmaker Hotline. He's a legend in our sport. Uh, his teaching methods are being copied by many younger coaches around the country. Others are adjusting their style because of Mark. Mark, what you've been able to do in the short time we've had with you this morning is be able to energize not just the Big Ten, but wrestling on the national front. We're seeing a dawning of a new age in large part because of what you've done, what Snyder's done, what Burroughs, Green, and many others have done. And for that, I just want to be public in saying this. Thank you. Oh, uh, just doing our part, and it's it's great. Wrestling's growing on a lot of different levels, and obviously with the Big Ten Network, mm. that's given us avenue to further grow our great sport across the country. And you know, just uh, obviously, all of your listeners know how mm-hmm. how impactful Big Ten Network is, and getting duels on TV, the, the popularity is going through the roof and continue to grow that and, 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 and make it where, where we become a money-making sport, right. where we're making money for the big time. <laughs> it's, you know, and that's, that's, that's big. That shows the passion of our fan base and that shows the passion uh, of the people in our sport and, uh, and uh, our fans are a big part of that. Coach, continued success. Nobody deserves it more. And quietly, you're doing a great job in Lincoln and abroad. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having us on. Go Huskers. Go Huskers, indeed. Mark Manning heads the showers. He literally came out of practice to do that interview.
and I thank him for that. Kira, great show. I want to thank Jeff Chelsvig, Diego Zinega, Kerry McCoy, Joel Greenlee, Jaden Cox, and Mark Manning, and each and every one of you for listening to this program. We do it because we love it. We know you do, too. This is USA Takedown on ESPN. Have a good one, everybody.